0: Chapter 6, Spring 1894, A Miracle Deep in thought, Johann watched the twilight sky all but oblivious to the cookie he was slowly munching on. The fresh summer breeze fluttered across the azure canopy of the Bavarian Alps. It was that ethereal moment when day transformed into night. Space and time seemed to expand as the sun made its steady, stately descent. Pastel purple clouds gave way to gray against the darkening skies. Like diamonds, thousands upon thousands of tiny sparkles, planets, and stars slowly made their evening appearance, emerging with the fading light. From the bright field of stars, Johann's eyes sought the constellations in the Milky Way. He spotted the belt of Orion overhead, and then he found the Big Dipper, which led him to the North Star. Brightest of the lights, Polaris pointed the way to the true north. On the gas lantern lit porch of the inn, the dreamy young sky watcher, lost in the vast night, slowly put his cookie to his mouth and took another barely noticed bite. Two monks walked by on their way to evening mass at the Ondex Monastery Brewery. Summer was a favorite time for the people of Munich to visit the hermitage. They would hike, or take the hour train ride up the mountain. The 10th century beer garden was a beautiful destination in the warm weather. A liter of beer and a lunch of roast pork with sauerkraut gave visitors and added something to talk about when they got back home. The door of the inn slammed behind Johan, jarring him out of his reverie. Albert had an inquiring look on his face as he strode over to his friend. Are you going to the church service with your parents? "Um, No, I don't know, maybe, do you want to go? Replied Johann, who struggled to gather his thoughts. Albert frowned, sensing something was going on with his friend. What's wrong, Johann? Johann brushed cookie crumbs from his chin. Nothing, he said as he examined his shoes. Albert kept his mouth shut and just stared at Johann, patiently waiting. Johann squirmed for a moment, then sighed. When a boy in the Thomas family reaches sixteen, He has to do a month-long apprenticeship at the brewery in this monastery. The monks have been brewing beer for centuries, so I guess the idea is that we can learn a lot. He paused and looked up at his friend. And you know I turned 16 last month. Albert thought for a moment. Then he got the picture. Oh, it's like when Jewish boys turn 13 and have a bar mitzvah. It's a rite of passage into manhood. Johan looked away into the distance, as if he was looking for his future. Yeah, but what if I don't want to work for my father in the brewery? What if I want to do something different? Realizing what he'd just revealed, Johan quickly turned to Albert. You won't tell anyone, will you? I mean, I feel I have to do this apprenticeship for my family, but- Albert shook his head. Of course not. He plopped himself onto the bench next to Johan. You never said you didn't want to work in the family business before. What's changed? Johann turned away from his friend, searching for another cookie in his pockets. Food made him feel better when he was anxious. Food made him feel better on almost any occasion. I don't know, he mumbled around the new cookie he was stuffing into his mouth. Albert's gaze hardened. It's just that... Well, I've been thinking. Albert nodded encouragingly, and Johann blurted out his dilemma. I think I might want to pursue religious studies. Johann waited expectantly as Albert digested the surprise revelation. After a moment, Albert smiled. If that's what is calling to you, I think you should talk to your parents about it. Really? Johann said, visibly relieved. You don't think it's crazy? Albert shook his head, a severe look on his face. I don't know what I'd do if my parents insisted I go into the family electronics business. I mean, I know they'd like me to do that, but they are very tolerant of my curiosity. Well, you're sure lucky. I don't think my parents are ready to hear that I may not want to get involved with the brewery. Albert gave Johann's arm an encouraging squeeze. The good news is, You don't have to make a final decision now. I'd say just go ahead with your apprenticeship so you get an excellent taste of what being in the business will involve. Johann considered his friend's advice as Albert continued. You might find you learn something that captures your interest. But at least you know from your experience and not just what you think it might be like. Johann started nodding. You're the best, Albert. That really makes sense. I'm delighted you came with us, he said, smiling for the first time the entire day. Relieved of his worry, at least for the present, Johan perked up. Hey, did you bring your compass? Albert brightened at the question. Of course I have my compass. Why? The monks at the brewery have the annual treasure hunt tomorrow. Guys our age will be competing and I signed us up. There'll be a lunch buffet afterward too, he added never one to pass up a good meal. I bet your compass will give us an edge. Could be, Albert said thoughtfully. A treasure hunt, eh? Interesting. A crowd gathered on the east side of the Ammer Lake Holy Mountain. The early morning sun broke over the summit. Five Benedictine monks passed out papers with instructions to the hunters. The scavenger hunt would begin at 9 a.m., the dark-haired, blue-eyed, 30-ish monk, Dr. Peter Collins, stood on a stool in his brown monk's habit. Looking out over the crowd, he cleared his throat, and in a loud, enthusiastic voice shouted, Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our annual scavenger hunt, commemorating the feast day of Mary Magdalene. Today you will be seeking replicas of ancient relics in our monastery. One of which is that of the Venerable Saint Herself." Johann surveyed the crowd from the middle of the pack, and guessed there were about thirty or so, fifteen teams of two boys each. He, of course, was paired with Albert, who held the piece of paper they'd been given when they arrived that morning. Johann noticed that the bully, Werner von Wiesel, was at the center of a group of his toadies. Boys who sucked up to him because his father, a retired Prussian army colonel, was considered an important citizen of Munich. From Johann's perspective, Werner was just a spoiled rich kid. But for some reason, he seemed to have it in for Albert. He rarely passed up an opportunity to give Albert a hard time. As Johann reflected on Werner, the brother continued, Each team has an instruction sheet with a map of the area. At the bottom of the map, you will see that there is a list of map coordinates and clues that relate to some of the monastery's relics. Then he looked up with a mischievous smirk. However, to make things interesting, not all coordinates or clues apply to the relics we have placed out for this hunt. How many relics are there, Brother Peter? Verne wanted to know. The monk's smirk broadened into a grin. Well... If we told you that, Werner, it would take away some of the fun. The boys groaned. Then you find a relic. We want you to write what that relic is next to the clue that hints at it. Do not touch or remove what you find. We want everyone to have a chance to complete the hunt. The monk looked down and consulted his notes, then continued his spiel. When you have located all the relics you can find and noted their locations on your map, Bring your entry form to the dining hall. One of our brothers will take it and record your time. The abbot, looking very serious, said, Since I'm sure you will have built up quite an appetite on your quest, you will all be treated to a hearty lunch. He smiled and nodded as the resulting cheers dissipated. The winner will be based on the number of relics you find, the accuracy of your notes on the relics you have identified, and the speed with which you found them. What will I be winning this year, Brother Peter? Werner haughtily called out. The monk waited for the catcalls and jeering to stop, then said, We're not revealing the prize in advance, Werner, so you'll just have to wait to find out. After the predictable grumbling, the monk asked, Okay, any questions? Enough talking, let's get started, Werner hollered impatiently. The monk held up his hands and frowned at Werner. Hold your horses, Werner. We want to make sure everyone knows what they need to know. Werner scowled and glared, looking threateningly around the room. Many of the boys cringed at Werner's anger, and no one dared ask a question. The monk waited, then hearing no questions, nodded. Okay, then. Gentlemen, you may begin. Most of the boys rushed off on the hunt. Werner managed to bump into Albert as he rushed by, nearly knocking him over. Oops, sorry, Einstein, he sneered insincerely as Albert regained his balance. Though they were as eager as the rest of the boys to start their search, instead of rushing off aimlessly, Albert and Johann trotted over to the green lawn next to the monastery's central walkway and sat down. Albert wanted to approach the hunt rationally, He laid the map on the grass and took out his precious compass. What are you going to do with the compass, Albert? Johan wanted to know. I'm not sure, but I feel like it might help us focus on the clues and where we want to go, he replied as Johan settled himself next to him, watching with interest. Albert opened the top of the gem-encrusted compass and set it on the map as he considered the layout. The morning rays were reflecting on the device's face. Looking at the map, and then the topography of the surroundings, Albert tried to determine where they needed to go. He pointed to the chart and said, The first set of coordinates is 47.58 north, 11.118 east, but it's not clear exactly where that is. As Albert spoke the coordinates, a beam of violet light suddenly shot out of the compass, extending to a point on the map. Both boys gasped in shock. They could not believe what they saw. Johann gulped and whispered, What was that? Albert could only stare as the light disappeared. Then he closed his eyes and rubbed his temples as if he was trying to ease an ache. I have no idea. It's scientifically not possible. Johann regained his wits and grabbed Albert's arm. Yeah, but it happened. If it's scientifically impossible, then it must be magic. Albert shook his head as if to clear the thought from his mind. I can't say it's magic. Then Albert brightened. But whatever it is, it's given us a destination. Let's go. He scooped up the compass and the map and scrambled to his feet. Spurred by their desire to win the competition, The two adventurers scampered down from the mountain church into a grove of fir trees. As they walked, Albert's gaze was drawn to a young woman dressed in a red cloak near the edge of the trees. Her dark eyes radiated pleasant warmth as she beckoned for him to follow her. For a moment, Albert's eyes met hers, and Albert jerked as if he had been jolted by a bolt of electricity. The woman smiled and motioned again. Albert could only stare for a moment. Speechless. Then, gathering his wits, he pointed and said to Johann, I, I, I think that woman wants us to follow her. What woman? replied Johann, looking around. To Albert, Johann was looking right at the woman. He paused, then said, Never mind, just follow me, as he started off after the woman. Ah, uh, right, Johann agreed a very puzzled look on his face. The boys hiked through a meadow of brightly colored flowers and thick wild grasses. Their mysterious guide glided ahead of them, then stopped at a whitewashed picket fence. She pointed to a cluster of white, purple, and red roses inside the enclosure. She wants us to go in there, Albert said. His heart seemed to swell as her gaze crossed over him. Frowning in bewilderment, Johann swung open the garden gate and stepped onto a pathway that led to the center of the rose garden. There was a red flag on a thin pole that reached over the rose bushes. Near the marker was a single gold rose laying on a mahogany bench, the sun's rays glistening off its metal petals. Albert approached it, making sure he didn't disturb it. Looks like we found our first relic, he said, handing the map to Johann. Which of the clues does the gold rose go with? Johann scanned the clues. Hmm. I've been studying the relics of the monastery, so let's see if my work was worth it. Moving his finger down the clue list, Johann suddenly stopped. Here, he said, poking the paper. The clue read The Founder's Prize. Johann nodded to himself. The gold rose belonged to the founder of the monastery, Duke Albrecht, he said, writing, Albrecht's gold rose in the rose garden, next to the clue. Good work, Johann, Albert said approvingly. Johann nodded and looked up from the map. Thanks, but your compass sure played its part. Have you used it for directions before today? Albert shook his head. I don't need a compass to get around Munich, so there's been no need. That's one of the reasons I was looking forward to this trip, to test it out. Ah, and of course, to spend some time with my best friend, he added with a grin. This treasure hunt is a fantastic exercise, a real experiment in a controlled environment. Albert scratched his head. But I have to say, I was as surprised as you when I opened the compass and that beam of light shot out of it. So that's not what usually happens with compasses, Johann asked. Pretty sure he knew the answer. Not by a long shot, Albert responded, his dark eyes sparkling with delight. Well, let's open the map and see if the compass helps with the next clue, Johann suggested. Right, Albert agreed, his curiosity now in high gear. This time, he was ready to observe the phenomenon, if it happened again. Albert carefully opened the map on the opposite end of the mahogany bench from where the golden rose sat. He laid the compass on it and picked another set of coordinates at random. How about 47.964 north, 11.202 east? For a moment, nothing happened, and Albert thought the first instance must have been a fluke. Then, the compass lit up and projected a thin beam of violet light to a point on the map. Oh, my gosh, Albert gasped. Johan shook his head in awe. How does it do that, Albert? I have no idea. There isn't a power source, yet the light radiates out when I see the coordinates. That's just not possible. Yeah, but it happened again, Johan tugged on Albert's arm. Come on, we've got a scavenger hunt to win. Carefully closing the compass, Albert let his friend lead him toward where the compass had indicated the next relic would be. As the two adventurers made their way through the countryside, Albert saw the woman in red nearby. She appeared to be waiting for them. Albert closed his eyes and shook his head. He opened them to find her still smiling, inviting them to follow her. As before, Albert felt a tingling all over when the woman in red was nearby. It was hard to describe, a sort of joyfulness that overcame him upon seeing her. Johann, there's that woman in red again. She wants us to follow her. Really? There? Johann turned left, then right, following Albert's lead. Over there. If you say so. Johann headed in the direction where Albert was pointing. When we get back to the hall, I'm going to ask one of the monks if there's a woman that looks like her living around here. Good idea, Johann nodded. She sure seems to know about the treasure hunt and where the relics are. Johann stuck close to Albert as they followed the woman through wheat fields and lush green grounds. Finally, they came to a pristine crystal pond. Tall willowy pine trees and wild blueberry bushes lined the shore on its far side. Johann pointed to a blue flag near one of the trees. There. I see it, Albert responded, his heart racing and picking up his pace, not registering that the woman in red was now nowhere to be seen. Next to the flag, they found a miniature pine decorated like a Christmas tree. Albert scratched his head. A Christmas tree in July? Johann read the clue on the treasure map. What did St. Nicholas add to the celebration of Christmas? Looking at Albert with a smirk, he said, That's easy. St. Nicholas started using a tree in the holiday festivities. There are several relics of his in the monastery. Hmm, interesting, Albert said, clapping his partner on the back as Johann wrote the answer. St. Nicholas's tree near the pond, next to the clue. Thanks to the compass and your invisible lady, we're two for two. Johann reached for a piece of cake he'd stuffed into the pocket of his later hosen before they left. He unwrapped it from its cloth napkin and offered his friend a bite. So, what do you say we stop for a minute and rest? Albert firmly grasped Johann's wrist and shook his head. Not until we've spotted all the relics. You can rest, Albert emphasized. Then we have completed the course and beaten everyone back to the hall. He placed the map atop a boulder near the sandy shore and carefully set the compass on it. Picking another set of coordinates, he said them aloud. Nothing happened. Johann and Albert both blinked and stared at the compass. Albert spoke the coordinates again, this time more slowly and clearly. The boys waited. Nothing. The compass did nothing. I guess we've lost our edge, Johann shrugged. Wait, Johann, the abbot told us not all the clues were useful. Let's give the compass another chance. Albert scanned the map and picked another set of coordinates. Find 47.968 north, 11.194 east. After only the briefest pause, the compass beamed a tiny light to a point on the map. Johann's face lit up. You are right. Come on. Johann yanked Albert's sleeve. It was all Albert could do not to snatch up the compass and map before Johann had him hurrying off in the new direction. As the boys marched past the tree line, Albert once again saw the woman in red a short distance away. She pointed to a farmhouse down the road, but as Albert and Johann stepped closer, she evaporated into thin air. Albert froze in his tracks. But Johan just kept walking, as if nothing had happened. Of course, Albert realized. Johann can't see our mysterious guide. Only I can. The boys walked down a narrow, dusty road toward the farmhouse. It was a long, red brick and timber-framed house about 15 meters long. Behind the house, several chickens scratched in the yard. A green flag stood next to the chicken coop, As the boys approached the flag, they saw a short wooden stool. On the seat, in a woven basket trimmed with fresh moss, sat a single red egg. Albert smiled to see the flag. Okay, this must be it. He paused and wrinkled his brow. But what kind of relic is a red egg? Johann smirked. He liked knowing things Albert did not. It was undoubtedly a rare occurrence. The red egg was a present Mary Magdalene gave Emperor Tiberius. She brought him a white egg to signify the birth of Christ. When he saw the egg, he laughed and said, I will believe it represents the Christ when the egg turns red. As Mary Magdalene extended the egg to the Emperor, Johann continued, it turned red. Really? said Albert, not quite sure what to make of this story. Uh huh, Johann nodded taking the map and writing, Mary Magdalene's red egg in farmyard, next to the clue that said, what convinced Tiberius? Well, I don't know about the story, Albert said, but I'm sure glad your secret studies included the relics of the monastery. I would have no idea which relic matched what clue. Johann blushed at the praise. Thanks for saying so, Albert, but let's keep going with the hunt. Albert agreed and spread open the map. He placed the compass on it. Johann pointed to one of the coordinates and Albert read the numbers aloud. Nothing omitted from the compass. Albert repeated the coordinates, and when there was no response again, he quickly learned through the few remaining coordinates. Each time, the compass remained unresponsive. Johann frowned. Do you think the compass is broken, Albert? Could be. But I think it's more likely that we have found all the clues. That sort of makes more sense, I guess, Johann conceded. If that's the case, then let's head back to the dining hall. Right, Albert carefully folded the map. We did this together, and I want us to win. Johann smiled. We did it together. Albert peered into the dining hall. His heart sank. The place was bustling with the boys who had been on the treasure hunt. It looked like he and Johann were the last to return. Being competitive by nature, Albert had really wanted to win. As they entered, Werner looked up from his lunch from across the hall. About time you finally made it back, losers, he sneered. Johann grimaced and started to respond, but Albert put his hand on Johann's shoulder. Don't pay any attention to him, Johann. He's just a jerk. A smiling monk near the door greeted Albert and Johann. Congratulations for completing the hunt. He lifted a silver chain and checked his pocket watch. Nodding at the time, he recorded it next to Johann and Albert's names. I wonder if you could answer a question for me, Albert asked the monk. The kind monk's hazel eyes sparkled. Of course, my friend. What would you like to know? Well, I saw a young woman in the forest. Albert's thoughts raced as he tried to make sense of what he had seen. She had dark hair and brown eyes. She might have been in her 20s. My friend didn't see her, but I would like to thank her. It was kind of her to help us find the relics. The brother stared straight at Albert, his eyes narrowing slightly. Albert squirmed. Dark hair, you say? Yes. Oh, and she was wearing a red cloak. The monk frowned. Dark hair and brown eyes and a red cloak? Perhaps olive skin? Albert nodded. Ah, Right. The monk's brow furrowed, and he knelt to Albert's level. Please tell me your name. The abbot will want to hear of this. Have I done something wrong? Albert wondered. My name is Albert Einstein. I'm visiting with my friend Johann and the Thomas family. He pointed toward Johann, who was a few steps away, eyeing a table generously laden with food. Of course, I know the Thomas family, the monk said, putting his hand on Johann's shoulder. I understand you will be doing your internship here soon. Uh, Yes, sir, Johann nodded. The gentle brother directed the boys toward the massive table at the head of the room near a podium. Nearby, two long tables with benches on either side of them were filled with the boys from the treasure hunt. Enjoy the lunch we've put out for you. You've earned it. Eyeing the spread, Johan began to cheer up. In the meantime, the monk continued, we will check each of the maps and announce the winners of the hunt in just a little while. Johann dragged Albert to the food table, and the boys filled their plates. Albert had to admit that covering all that ground in the treasure hunt had given him an appetite. Johan ate with gusto, but Albert's enthusiasm was dampened by his disappointment at returning so late. He felt they had little chance of winning. Albert was also a bit concerned at the monk's suspicious and puzzling response to his question about the woman in red. Glancing down the length of the long table, he saw Werner holding court with many of the boys. Albert shook his head as he watched the other boys play up to the loudmouth. Lifting a bite of sausage to his lips, Albert considered the woman in red. He could not deny the intense feeling of connection and joy when his eyes met hers. Albert munched on his cheese and sausage, lost in thought. Just as the boys were finishing up, a hush fell over the room. Albert and Johann saw the smiling monk and another man with an ornate necklace hanging in front of his robe. The abbot, Johann muttered. He doesn't usually come to these events. The abbot stepped to the front of the hall and looked out over the room. His kind eyes briefly met Albert's as he surveyed the crowd. He smiled and addressed the group. Well, this has been some scavenger hunt. All the boys chuckled or murmured in agreement. The abbot raised his hands for silence. I'm sure you're all eager to know who won this year's prize, the abbot said. But before we get to that, I'm curious to know if any of you noticed a woman on the grounds doing your hunt. The question was answered with puzzled looks. Most of the boys shook their heads or murmured no. A self conscious Albert hesitantly raised his hand. The abbot looked at Albert. Young man, could you describe the woman you saw? Albert felt beads of sweat forming on his forehead. Everyone in the room watched as he stood to respond to the abbot. Um, well, she had sort of dark hair, and, uh, she was wearing a red cloak. Anything else? the abbot asked, stroking his jaw. She looked like she spent a lot of time out in the sun. Albert closed his eyes, remembering the woman. Oh, and her eyes. What about her eyes, my son? They were, I don't know. Albert's tone became wistful. They were beautiful. They were filled with this sort of something, I don't know. I felt kind of warm when I looked at them. The abbot waited as Albert recalled the encounter. It was really amazing. I almost felt like she was hugging me when I saw her eyes. The young boys in the room burst out with laughter. Werner stood up from his chair with his hands on his hips in a wide stance and projected his voice over the crowd. Hey, what a sissy. The abbot said in a loud tone, Silence, Johan was staring at Albert. Wow, how did I miss that, he whispered. The abbot did not seem baffled at all. In fact, happiness radiated from him. Gentlemen, we have been blessed. He beckoned to a monk who had just entered the room carrying a package wrapped in cloth. Holding it up for the abbot, the older monk began removing the wrapping. This is a painting that has been in a storage room in our cellar. I don't believe anyone has looked at it in many years. As the last of the wrapping was removed, Albert gasped and plopped back down in his seat. It was her. It was the woman in red who had led him and Johann to the relics. This, my friends, the abbot continued, is a painting of Mary Magdalene whose feast day, July 22nd, we are celebrating today with our scavenger hunt. Albert's jaw dropped. The abbot smiled toward Albert as he continued. It is rare, but not unheard of, that someone with an extraordinary heart will see Mary Magdalene on the grounds here. I honestly can't remember the last time it happens, but apparently... We have been honored by her presence today. Turning to face Albert directly, the abbot continued. You, young sir, are very fortunate. Seeing her can only bode well for you, and I congratulate you on this very great blessing you have been given. Albert closed his mouth and nodded his head sheepishly as the other boys in the hall whispered among themselves. Werner was unusually silent, Albert noticed, watching the boy's eyes narrow as if he didn't believe what Albert had said. The room quieted again, and the abbot spoke, this time with a chuckle in his voice. While I'm sure you are all very pleased for Herr Einstein, I'll bet you're just a little bit curious about who won the scavenger hunt. The room, which had become hushed, now became raucous again, with hoots and hollers and shouts of, you're right about that, and yeah, get to it. Gesturing for silence, the abbot said, the team of Werner von Wiesel and Uli Schmitz was the first to make it back to the dining hall, with a map and two correct relics identified. The room erupted in chatter, and Werner made a big show of strutting around, pumping his arm in a victory salute. Albert's heart sank. But he forced a smile onto his face in support of the boy's success. Johann had a more expectant look on his face. Albert gave him a puzzled glance. Johann just held up two fingers. Albert frowned, trying to understand what his friend was telling him. The abbot held up his hands and the room quieted. I commend you young men on your speed and cleverness. Werner and Uli nodded smugly. However, the abbot was not yet finished. But as you may recall, speed was only one of the criteria. Albert was listening intently. Only one team correctly found and identified all three relics we placed out. A hush fell over the room as the boys all looked around. Each team knew they had found only two relics, the abbot turned his gaze to Albert and Johann and smiled. Apparently, Mary Magdalene smiled upon these two young men, he said, pointing to Albert and Johann, for discovering and correctly identifying all the relics in this hunt. The abbot held up a smaller version of the red egg the boys had found in the farmyard. This replica of Mary Magdalene's red egg, which was hand-carved and painted by one of our fine artisans here at the monastery, goes to Johann Thomas and Albert Einstein. The room went quiet. Albert gulped, hoping the boys were not angry about not winning. Werner stood and glared at Albert. How could that scrawny little juicy Mary Magdalene He spat out in a whisper to the boy next to him. With an angry wave, he summoned the half dozen boys in his entourage and stormed out of the dining hall amidst stunned silence. As soon as Werner's posse was clear of the room, the entire hall burst into enthusiastic cheers and applause. The boys gathered around Albert and Johan, thumping them on the back and shaking their hands. The two boys stood, shyly accepting all the attention. As they sat back down, Johan leaned over and whispered, I think it's great we won, but I don't think is going to be happy about losing, especially to you. I know, Albert said, shrugging off his concerns to enjoy the moment. But so what? I mean, what can he do? Johann shrugged in agreement. Yeah, what can he do?